0: Round one, go.
1: Well, uh, every now and then you just got to jump in and go uh, since the bell rang. The bell rang. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: we can't stop, can't you know, stall. What? You have
1: to start. You have to g- That means go, Marty. That means what go. What are you doing sitting there? Put the pedal to the metal, man.
2: I'm thinking about going. I'm not really going yet, but I'm going to think about... Make it a plan about getting it going, You've right? got
1: a, You're going to have a committee. Are you going to get a committee together? I don't like and, committees, though. Well, Can, I don't I, like committees either, okay. but they do slow things down, and sometimes that's necessary.
2: Although the Bible does say a council of many uh, brings wisdom, right? I don't know. Maybe uh, depends on who's right. Depends on who the, right. <laughs> the council
1: is. You know, it's it's uh, this is an, an amazing year, 2020. It just feels like there's so much, like I mean, prophetic stuff happening, and there's just so much. Um, just a con- like a convergence of, of all the things we've been hearing for, you know, decades, literally decades. Mm-hmm. And we have um, an opportunity to to do things, but you got to go. You got to get started. You got to take the first, you know, what's the saying? The, the, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first, first step, step right? right?
2: Right. How to eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? right? Taking the first bite, the whole idea here.
1: And, and you know, so I'm, I'm excited about that, the opportunity to do it. And, um,
2: who uh, are you by the way?
1: Well, I'm I'm the other guy. <laughs> you're the smart, good-looking one, and I'm the other guy, uh, Doug Bassler. And it's Doug and Marty versus the world. And you know, we're so glad you're listening. We don't know, know why in the world you would want to do that on a Saturday, but hey, here we are, and there, we appreciate you. There you are. That's right. So um, every every now and then, you get a hold of a book that's you know pretty good, and um, uh, pretty good. It's excellent,
2: of course, and of course we we get the chance to actually bring somebody on and talk about their work and and. The meaning behind it and kind of the passion, it'd be great. But when I saw the title, Naked and Unafraid, and we'll get to the author here in a second here, and obviously there's some tie-in to um, who they are. Um, but I thought about, you know what? When I get naked, people get afraid. So it's not good, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's not what I was talking about. It's talking about naked and unafraid, right? A, a spin or Having, a play well, and, and,
1: You know. of uh Let's let's go ahead and introduce the author of the new book Naked and Unafraid, available everywhere I
2: guess. Everywhere on amazon.com as well, right?
1: Yep, yeah. and it's uh, Pastor Kevin Gerald. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know him.
2: I, right? I do. He is my personal pastor if that if that oh thing my whatever. gosh. Uh, Champion Center multiple campuses across both western Washington and eastern Washington, but um, Pastor Kevin Pastor Kevin, welcome, welcome to, the to the show. show.
0: Hey, thank you guys. So, so good to be here. You guys are a blast to listen to.
1: Well, it's, you know, it's something that we work on and uh, eventually we'll get it down. But uh, so I, Marty said you're his pastor. So now I know who to blame. Is that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) There is coming under authority and there is other things where there's no, I don't know. know.
1: Occasionally, I think you need a little bit of work, but generally speaking, you're a pretty good guy. I need lots of lot so, work. So, Pastor Kevin, why why the book Naked and Unafraid? What what made you decide to, to step out into this area? I mean, this is really a book about faith, right? This is a book about having faith.
0: Yeah, it's definitely unique, uh, and it, it all comes back to that, of course. But uh, let me just tell you kind of the premise of the book, and then then we can talk more about it. Um, there's a story in the Old Testament where David is ushering the uh, Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem it's been gone enemies have stolen it Uh, it's been gone for years you know and and he's bringing it back in uh, as part of his plan to build a new house uh, for God so it's like the first step of a big building campaign and his excitement overflows and he finds himself down in the street dancing with the parades, people had closed shop, come out of their homes, fill the streets, just like festive, fun, excitement over the top because the Ark is coming back home. And so he's in the street dancing and uh, his, his uh, robe that he was wearing, uh, he, he just got rid of it. It got in the way, it was encumbering. And so he drops the robe and just uh, dances before the Lord and worship and fun and excitement and right down there with the common folk. And while he's dancing, uh, his wife, McCall, who was Saul's daughter, was in the window, and she wasn't wasn't in the street. She was in the window watching all of this happen. And he gets home later that night, and she meets him out at the – you know she meets him out at the front lawn of the palace and she just lays into him it, it wasn't really a great welcome home party for him and she lets him know that she didn't appreciate the way he got out there and danced in what she called naked she said you dance naked out in the streets um, and 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 David you know he defends what he did and says i did it before the lord and so forth but really the premise of the book is that, uh, first of all, uh, she's in the window, he's in the street, and pretty much all of, all of us have a, a decision to make on a regular basis when it comes to our life, and, and that is, are we going to be a, a window watcher, or are we going to be a street dancer? And so that's the, the, the premise of the book, and then you take it a little bit further into the title, And the reality was, is that if you just heard her verbiage, you would think that, you know, he he disrobed and he had no clothes on. And the truth is, is that he took off his royal robe. He, He still had on clothes, but he let go of his status and he let go of, you know, that that represented a separation between him and the common folk and set that aside, Uh, David hadn't been raised in a king's palace. He didn't have all the protocol down. And when he needed to let go of it, he let go of it uh, for the sake of doing what he was born to do, and that is to to worship, to lead, to help, to serve. Um, So that's the premise of the book when we say naked and unafraid, is it's all set up by this guy who came out of a shepherd field and was willing to not be encumbered Uh, by some of the things that, you know, catch us oftentimes in life and tie us up and cause us to not really be free and open and vulnerable to do what we're supposed to do and meant to do.
2: Now, in this, I I want to go into detail on farther in the book, but think about this for a second. Uh, David was anointed king by Samuel there. In the shepherd's field, basically at his house. He had no kingly robes. You know, like you said, he was able to uh, discard them to be in joy of the Lord, bringing back the Ark of the Covenant into the temple, restoring the temple. It's a fantastic thing. And yet you have the status quo. People think you shouldn't act that way. Kings don't act that way. Kings don't dance in the street with the common folk. And we see that now where people will tell us how we should be acting as Christians even, or we should act a certain way. But no, we were still saved by grace in in midst of our sin. Well, right? not even just Christians. I mean, yeah. just,
1: you know, decorum and and all that kind of stuff, right? So, I mean, obviously we're coming at this from a Christian perspective here, but if if you're, um, you know, I see this all the time with like my teenage daughter, right? It's like she, she gets this medal because she— you know, gets superior at this theater competition. She won't wear it because the other kids didn't get it. I'm like, you outworked them. You earned it. You know, wear yep. your medal. That, But this idea of like, I don't want to do, you know, this thing for God because if I, or this thing because of what people are going to think, it, it's really hindering.
0: Yeah. Let, let me take it a little bit further. I don't want to dominate over dominate the, uh, but in the intro here, it really helps set the premise for our conversation. Uh, when, when, you know, when a baby comes into the world, uh, we come in naked and unafraid. So we, we you know, we, the, the, the baby just walks around, crawls around, uninhibited and comfortable in its own skin, uh, unintimidated. And then somewhere around five, six years old, uh, we become what is officially self-conscious. And at the moment we become self-conscious, we start thinking about what other people are thinking about us. And when that happens, even at that young age, all of our attention starts going into how we're behaving like we're supposed to behave. So it's our peers. You just mentioned your daughter. And and the concern is my peers. What will they think of me? That That gets really big in high school. And then we start dating and it's like, what, what does he think of me? What does she think of me? And I, I remember when I first became a pastor, I was 26 years old and I was constantly wondering like, am I getting this right? Or what do people think? You know, I'm, I'm, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm filling the, the gaps and doing what I'm supposed to do <laughs> that a pastor's meant to do. And, but you know, it's not that it's all all bad. And, and, and we talk about it in the book that that's not all harmful when it's kept in balance and right. But unfortunately, we get so tied up in being what we're supposed to be that we're not being who we're meant to be. And that's the the premise of this book. It's just like, how do we take off the robes, so to speak, metaphorically? How do we get rid of the robes when they start hindering us from being who we're meant to be?
1: You know, that's one of the main reasons I love America is because we have the freedom to follow God, to, to serve God, right? And and um, when you have a, a more totalitarian type situation, you're gonna be told what to do and things like that. And so, you know, when what you're describing here is that 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 freedom, you know, and it's kind of like what the Bible says, right? It's for liberty that he he makes us free. And so even when Paul is in jail or whatever, he's still free. He's still preaching the gospel. He's still doing what God called him to do, that type of thing.
2: Exactly right. Now, I know, I don't know much about what time we left in this segment here, but you start off there with her in a window, with the wife in the window, the fear of jumping out. And this is one of those things we always talk on the show about, encouraging people to step out of their comfort zone. You, nothing big is ever gained unless you risk something, unless you step out of your own place. And later on It says the book, in the
1: book here, comfort zones are the places where dreams go to die.
2: Exactly <laughs> right. And, you know, and then you have a plan as safe as dangerous. So I want to talk more about that, of course. Sure. And, you know, and where this leads into about stepping into your destiny. Sometimes you have to step away from that comfort zone of what you know. Right. right?
1: So uh the book is Naked and Unafraid. The author is Pastor Kevin Gerald from Champion Center down. That's in Tacoma, right? Yeah, you said Tacoma, Tacoma, anything Dupont. Good come
2: from Tacoma, brother. Bellevue, Yakima, <laughs> all, all over the place. Oh, dude. they're all over the place. Exactly, but the right.
0: main one, yes, is in yeah, Tacoma. our main uh, campuses there in Tacoma, and then, uh, like Marty said, we're we're in Dupont, we're in Bellevue, we're in Yakima, we're in Lower Valley, so we have five physical locations. Now, I read in the book
1: that you saw Reinhard Bonky in a great big building and you thought, "Gee, it would be nice to have a great big building like this someday." And uh, then you said later on in the same little chapter there that you actually have that that building now.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: So, As right after I came to the
0: Northwest, I I heard about Reinhard Bonky being in town and I got over to the meeting and went, you know, it was packed out. I ended up sitting way up in the top risers and and uh you know it was a regional meeting people were there from all over and the house was full and and i i had this thought you know like wow this is amazing this building and it would be, be awesome someday to have a building i think i had you know maybe a hundred church members then or 150 and we'll we're gonna be back
1: with more right after this break For our government to work the way it was intended, citizens from all walks of life must volunteer to run for elected offices. But how do you begin? EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com can help. You'll receive expert help to navigate your campaign and communicate your message. From candidate filing to voters' pamphlet statements, fundraising, and social media, you'll find what you need to run an effective and affordable campaign. EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com, the road to victory starts here.
3: I'm Anton Sakharov, candidate for governor. I was born in a former Soviet Union and have experienced firsthand the tragedy and lies of socialism. After moving to the US, I worked hard to earn my degree and succeed in business. Now I can see the country I love is on the brink of the socialist hell I left behind, and I'm determined to stop it for my family and yours. I am Anton Sakharov. Join me and let's make Washington great. Paid for by Anton
1: for Governor Issaquah, Washington. Go to evergreatstate.com to learn more. This is Claire. Claire has a great business, and she wanted to advertise on YouTube, but she didn't know how. It was all so confusing, setting up an account, choosing keywords and demographics, and she didn't know how to make a video. Then Claire discovered the secret to great YouTube ads. The experts at EasyYouTubeAds.com took care of all the details, from account setup and management to producing her video ads. Now Claire's friends all want to know how she got so smart. EasyYouTubeAds.com. No experience necessary.
3: I'm Anton Sakharov, candidate for governor. I was born in a former Soviet Union and have experienced firsthand the tragedy and lies of socialism. After moving to the U.S., I worked hard to earn my degree and succeed in business. Now, I can see the country I love is on the brink of the socialist hell I left behind, and I'm determined to stop it for my family and yours. I am Anton Sakharov. Join me and let's make Washington great. Paid for by Anton
1: for Governor, Issaquah, Washington. Go to evergreatstate.com to learn more you bells and all is well. This is Doug Bassler and Marty
2: McLendon, Doug and Marty versus the world with our very special guest, Kevin Gerald, here with this brand new book, Naked and Unafraid, available on Amazon. It's the five keys to abandon smallness, overcome criticism and be all you are meant to be. You know,
1: I think people have a problem with smallness. I, I really do. And, and I not am so about excited. about sitting on a box, are you? You know, I'm not talking about necessarily Michael Bloomberg. Okay, good. But um if, you know, if the box fits. Okay. Just I, wear it. I got you. Um but uh, but but uh, Pastor Kevin, thank you for being our guest today and uh and for uh, and for, really for writing this book. I enjoyed this book a lot and I I think it's um uh, you know, it's really uh just a a nice step-by-step process to where you can like start to you know, like Taylor Swift said, "Shake it off and just start to do stuff." You know, st- stretch out and be what God's called you to be, and 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 do things. So many people are uh, limited because of you know some of the stuff we were talking about in the earlier segment, right, where they're afraid of what their peers are thinking and and these these types of things. And so, so thank you for writing this book.
0: Well, thank you, um, and thank you for having me. It's it's good to hear when somebody says, I really like this book. <laughs> you know, I, I tell people as a writer, uh, part of this book is about vulnerability and defining vulnerability with strength and what it looks like to have both uh, in your life. And, and I, I assure people, hey, even as I write this book, uh, I'm wondering, you know, is it actually going to help people? Is it actually going to benefit, folks. And so I, I share that because I just think it's human nature. Sometimes we just all have to fight against that, those questions and, you know, those those feelings of smallness like you mentioned.
2: Exactly right. I mean, I was encouraged by it as well. You start off in the book about talking about King David, his wife being upset. Then you go into a little bit of the story of how um, your start, how you got called out here You took over a church that was struggling Um, And then you have a quote here. It says, vulnerability is making a move with no guarantee of the outcome. Tell our listeners a little bit about, in the the book, it talks a little bit about your story and how this, you know, the building and that kind of stuff coming about, but also how you had the trust, how to step out in faith that this will work.
0: Uh, Yeah. And actually this is what the book really is all about. I hope that it just encourages somebody who's hesitating and somebody who's sitting back, uh, I remember a twenty six years old, one older older gentleman uh said to me, Son, you got more guts than you do brains, you know. <laughs> because I, I came here from a you know, a pretty secure position, uh, at least starting off in ministry and came out here with nothing to the northwest. And and uh the, the church where I came to was in financial trouble. And so And you look know, at you
1: now, you're Marty McLennan's pastor. Well,
0: imagine I mean, that. Wow. <laughs> Anyway, continue on. That's a full-time job go, right, right there. I'm kidding. Yeah, right. so, so, really, I the whole vulnerability to me, I always thought of vulnerability as weakness and just discovering, you know, that um, vulnerability is not actually weakness. It's actually part of being strong and the willingness to take a step. Uh, and, you know, that, that's how I define vulnerability is making a move with no guarantee of the outcome. And the ability to do that is actually that step of faith we were talking about earlier. But mm-hmm. it's it's vulnerability. It's opening yourself up to the possibility.
2: You, Doug, you often say courage, right? It's not the absence of fear, but it is what?
0: Action
1: in the face of fear. Right. Taking action anyway.
2: You know, in your book, it says, uh, remember, willingness to fail will ultimately be help you succeed. And the more willing you are to fail, the greater chance you have to succeed. That's people that's scary for people. I don't want to fail. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to take a risk. And yet you'll never reach the full potential God has for you unless you are willing to fail. And so that's encouraging. Uh,
1: Well, I'm not I don't go out and set out to fail. But
2: you're willing to fail.
1: <laughs> not really. <laughs> I'm willing to succeed. No, no, no.
2: no. I'm going to hold you on your own words and back to Pastor Kevin here. But you always say anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. poorly I do say that. Yes, anything Fred. worth
1: doing is worth doing poorly. But I mean, certainly I'm not stepping out saying I want to fail. I have faced failure. But, you know, I, I, I remember what uh, Bill Gates said, you know, success is a terrible teacher because it makes you like overconfident. It, it can mess you up, right? And when you have a, when you get a couple of, uh, losses, <laughs> and you suffer some setbacks, and things like that, it, it makes you smarter. You learn mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. Was it uh, Maxwell that wrote, uh, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn? Uh, exactly right? right. Yep.
2: John Maxwell. So, Pastor Kevin, um, another quote you have, remember, you can't make a great decision unless you make a decision. I think way too many believers, non-believers... Say that again.
1: Slower. <laughs> you, Shut up. You remember, can't make, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you can't
2: make a great
0: decision unless you make a decision.
2: You
1: have to make a decision. What did you mean when you said that, Pastor Kevin?
0: Well, uh, most people overthink and underact. Mm -hmm. And so, if, if you're not willing to make a decision, then there's a lot of possibilities out there of great decisions. I mean, where would we all be? Anyone who's had any level of success has had to make a decision. And then, at the end of the day, it was a great decision. They look back and they're like, man, I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad it was awesome. It's the best choice I ever make. Well, if you don't make a decision, what's, what's the chance of making a great decision? Zero. There's no chance of making a great decision if you don't make a decision.
2: Way too many people, whether it be in ministry, whether it be in real estate, which I, I work in, are, are so afraid of making a mistake, they won't make any decisions. So therefore, they're making a decision to not move and therefore not change their situation.
1: Not making a decision is making a decision.
2: Right. And so this really it leads to step out of your comfort zone, make a decision, and trust God. Right, Doctor Pastor Kevin?
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, comfort is way overrated, uh, is the way I like to say it. Like it's way overrated. People like I just got to get comfortable. I just want to be comfortable. I just want to. Well, the best things in life don't come from being comfortable. And if you ask any mom if she's comfortable, you might you know a pregnant woman rather if she's comfortable, you might get slapped. Um, because she's definitely not comfortable in the process, but she is birthing her baby and she's excited about the, the opportunity she has to be a mom. So uh, life is a whole lot like that. Um, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable in order to see God work in your life and, and see God do what only he can do in your life.
2: Now, it also, the idea of comfort, I I thought about this too. Sometimes people get to a place in life, whether it be the rich man in scripture where it was easier for the camel to get through an eye of a needle or whatever, where you get to a place like, how much do I have to give up? Do I want to stretch myself? Do I want to believe God for bigger things? And there's also those times when I have to move as well. So what about those people that, you know, I know God's got more for me, but I'm pretty happy where I am.
0: And boy, there's a lot of those, aren't there? There's a lot of people who settle in and uh, well? I feel like I feel like that. Maybe my favorite section of the book is that playing it safe is dangerous. Mm-hmm. A section on that um, because it really helps people to take a look at okay, if I play it safe, here's what I can expect out of my life. Not not what you feel, but the actual consequences of playing it safe. Versus the opportunity of being willing to take some risk, I call it risk exposure. So, when you look at playing it safe, what what you like? like let me give you this example. Um, let's imagine a married couple. They don't want anyone to know they're having trouble in their marriage. They they want to not you know they don't want family to know they want friends to know. So they just keep it secret and under wraps. That, that's playing it safe. But what happens eventually is that, that bad marriage, that bad relationship, it surfaces in the worst of ways. And if they could have just in time said, no, we're gonna take a, we're gonna go get a counselor. We're gonna sit down with somebody that can actually help us. We're willing to go open with this, have conversation with this, you know, then they have that opportunity to have a greater outcome in their life and in their future. So playing it safe. I mean, businesses do that all the time, guys. B- business leaders, we just don't hear about it as much. But when a business starts settling in and playing it safe, it's the beginning of the end for mm-hmm. the business. Um, that you you just don't, it's not as safe as we think it is when we play it safe. If a salesman plays it safe, they're not going to make any sales.
1: They're not going to grow, they're <laughs> not, not going to make any trees. They're not going to make any cold calls or greet anybody or whatever. But
2: back to your reference about America, right? Well, oftentimes, when you see it a country or a a place in decline, it's when they trade security for freedom or liberties, right? For that opportunity to right, grow. Yeah. And so, when you're playing it safe, oftentimes you give up things of that potential growth, and we don't want that. We want people to to reach their full potential in Christ.
1: You know, there's a, a part of the book where you you talk about you know seven things about the Lord. You know that I think are great. You know, first of all, that God wants us to see Him as. a is big and generous and God wants us to know that he's not bothered about our fears and failures. I always think about Moses, you know, (laughs) you know, I can't go. I, I don't talk good and I'm not that, you know, and God's like, yeah, God gets, gets angry with Moses. Right. Number three, God wants us to live open, interactive and engaged lives. Number four, God wants us to have big faith and big vision and pray big prayers right, Marty? Amen. And God wants, number five, God wants us to integrate into society and be salt and light in the world. I mean, I feel like he's like inside my head when I'm reading this, by the way. (laughs) It's like, I love this, Pastor Kevin. Uh, God wants us to grow relationally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and financially. Okay, now that's a big one right there. Mm -hmm. And then number seven is the big one. God wants us to buy land, buildings, and occupy physical space. But hasn't religion taught us that we're supposed to take a vow of poverty, Pastor Kevin.
0: Yeah, vow of poverty and also that uh, things like, I, I, I talk about buying property and things like that. Um, you know, so much of what we're taught from from youth on up, I remember, you know, religion taught me that I needed to maybe not even go to college because college campuses were scary. You would lose your faith at a college campus and You risk everything with your walk with God if you go to... So it's all fear-based. A lot of religion is fear-based. And and that's really why this section of the book, um, I I had to get that in there because hopefully some people will rethink how they're thinking about God and realize that God is a big God. He wants the best for us. And he has good plans for us. And when we move forward and we buy lands and we buy building, we occupy space, we're literally acting on behalf of heaven here on earth, and we're occupying territory uh, for God rather than it being all left for uh, evil and darkness and the enemy.
1: Yeah, that's so good. And and uh, like I said, this book, Naked and Unafraid, it's a faith book.
0: It's a faith book. <laughs> we, we always talk it's about it too. Book.
2: We're politically minded. We're, we're spiritually minded. The idea is unless we're at the table, how do we become salt and light? in any place if we're not there
1: right yep naked and unafraid uh, we're going to be back uh, after the commercial break with more from Pastor Kevin Gerald he's pastor of the Champion Center it's right over there in Tacoma and they've got satellites all over the place And it's because he thinks big <laughs> he's, there we he's go. left smallness behind <laughs> he's working on it this is Doug Bassler
2: and Marty McClendon Doug and Marty versus the world and we'll talk about growing bigger on the inside and we'll come back that's right
1: When you want to take your business to the next level, nothing drives traffic and increases sales like TV advertising. And EZTVSpots.com is your best choice for high-quality, effective TV ads. Contact us today to learn how easy it is to reach thousands of your ideal prospects with targeted, addressable TV. Grow your sales, revenue, and profit the easy way with EZTVSpots.com. Broadcast, cable, and online TV made easy.
3: I'm Anton Sakharov, candidate for governor. I was born in a former Soviet Union and have experienced firsthand the tragedy and lies of socialism. After moving to the U.S., I worked hard to earn my degree and succeed in business. Now, I can see the country I love is on the brink of the socialist hell I left behind, and I'm determined to stop it for my family and yours. I am Anton Sakharov. Join me and let's make Washington great.
1: Paid for by Anton for Governor Issaquah, Washington. Go to evergreatstate.com to learn more. This is Claire. Claire has a great business, and she wanted to advertise on YouTube, but she didn't know how. It was all so confusing, setting up an account, choosing keywords and demographics, and she didn't know how to make a video. Then Claire discovered the secret to great YouTube ads. The experts at EasyYouTubeAds.com took care of all the details, from account setup and management to producing her video ads. Now Claire's friends all want to know how she got so smart. EasyYouTubeAds.com. No experience necessary. For our government to work the way it was intended, citizens from all walks of life must volunteer to run for elected offices. But how do you begin? EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com can help. You'll receive expert help to navigate your campaign and communicate your message. From candidate filing to voters' pamphlet statements, fundraising and social media, you'll find what you need to run an effective and affordable campaign. EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com, the road to victory starts here. I get to wake up and get back to work uh, from my little snooze fest. This is Doug Bassler. It's amazing how you can sleep
2: on, on the radio. This is Marty McClendon. That's <laughs> a comfortable radio. Doug right. versus the world, right? It's very it is. padded and nice. You know, I throw things at you. Hey, wake up. It's time to go back to work, right? Come on. <laughs> the commercials are over. Come Whatever.
1: On. <laughs> Whatever, man. I, I believe you. We are talking with Pastor Kevin Gerald. He is the author of a brand new book called Naked and Unafraid. And Doug and Marty are giving it two thumbs up. One from each of us. We'd give it four thumbs up, but we got, you know, microphone on the other hand. So it's really tough to do that. Anyway. Thumbs rate, and two microphones. There two, we go. Give two thumbs, <laughs> two thumbs, and yeah, exactly.
2: Welcome back to the show, Kevin. Um, we, we appreciate you, appreciate the book. I know you're a prolific author and written many books.
1: How many books have you written?
2: I think 11. I'm 11? 11, yeah. Wow, that's He's great. He's just getting started. You know, it's going to be like 30 or 40 before. Well, you I'm going to
1: have to go back and pick up some of the other ones because I've enjoyed this one a lot. This is a great book about, about losing smallness and that small thinking. And, 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 I'm you know, it's so easy to get in that trap. Like, who am I? You know, there's even a song. There was even a big Christian song. Who am I? That the Lord, da, 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 right? Yeah. It's, always, it's all this, you know, such a worm is me and that type of thing. And and you're you're kind of coming against that, right? You're you're you saying, "Hey, wait a minute."
0: Let's yeah, about that. J- just reminding people that we are uh, fearfully wonderfully made. We are created in the image of God. We're here to represent heaven. Uh, it's been like a tag you're it, and I think a lot of people don't realize it that heaven has said, "Hey, tag you're it. You are sons and daughters of God, uh, sons and daughters of the Most High. You bring light to the world." Um, you are the salt of the earth. And so, yeah, I guess you could say I'm, I'm, I'm coming against that other mindset and mentality.
2: Part of the uh, growing bigger on the inside, the uh, banning smallness, you have a couple quotes here. It says, we can't do anything about the size of the adversity, but we can do something about the size of our strength, which is we rely on God, um, which is powerful. And the other one here is comfort zones are the places where dreams go to die. We don't want to be in the comfort zone. We want to be in being stretched by God, by faith. And then lastly, being big is what keeps the doors of opportunity open for God to do work in your life. Bottom line is a, a some object in motion, right? God can use you as you're moving towards, as you're being obedient.
1: God can't steer a parked car, brother.
2: That's right. That's right. So making that decision, trusting God, seeking God on a regular basis, growing on the inside. So talk more about that. What do you mean by growing bigger on the inside?
0: In my own life, what I've dealt with um, uh, along the way is the opportunity to be offended, the opportunity to get my feelings hurt, um, having to deal with the fact that every, I wasn't everybody's favorite. Uh, I had to deal with the sense of feeling rejection and then what am I gonna do about that? Um, and all of those are the things that I think drive us into smallness and or keep us small. And they are actually opportunities, if we can see it, to grow bigger on the inside. And to, for example, to become what I call unoffendable. Um, Just really believing, you know, the Bible says, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So there's an indicator that it's possible to get to a place where you're unoffendable. You're, you're not going to get stuck in what somebody said, somebody did, somebody liking you, not liking you, rejecting you. So getting bigger on the inside uh, is that thing that just says, no, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move past those feelings um, that I have that would otherwise drive me into seclusion or keep me out of God's purpose for my life. I'm going to keep getting bigger on the inside, forgiving people, loving people, staying true to what God has ordained for me to do. And uh, and and that means I got to keep getting bigger, keep getting bigger on the inside.
2: And part of that section of the book, um, there's a chapter, it's a short chapter, but it really it's impactful and something that resonated in my spirit, too. It's that think three. It's about leaving a legacy, about thinking about legacy, about planning. And so talk about that, too. What do you mean by think three?
0: It's, uh, I I was thinking, we were in our 25th year, um, Marty, and as a church, and I started feeling like, wow, I've been here 25 years, and we got our church is wonderful, full of a lot of great people. What's going to happen after I'm not here anymore? And as I started trying to process legacy, what does legacy mean? I mean, that's a word, but what does it mean? I just realized that that oftentimes in scripture, it spoke of three generations of people. So, for example, um, Abraham, isaac and jacob that would be one of the scripture references Mm -hmm. another one would would be i write to you fathers i write to your sons i write to you, children and i think in the book i come up there's about eight examples of that and so out of that i thought you know what that's really what i want to do for our church is i want to just give them uh some substance to this whole legacy idea let, let, let's think at least three generations deep into the future. And let's think about, you know, not just our own generation or putting a bumper stick on our, on our Winnebago that says, you know, I'm spending my children's inheritance, but, but let's think, let's think about, um, you know, and then another one, here's, here's another one. Uh, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Mm-hmm. So oh, just repeatedly there, and we coined that phrase, think three, just as a measuring for ourselves to say, hey, come on, keep thinking, keep thinking big. And so bigness is not just, you know, being big minded and what God can do right now, but it's longevity as well.
2: What a contrast, though, And thinking about this, I don't want to get too deep and sidetrack off the book here, but the world says, think about yourself, think about now, think about what pleases you in this present moment. And God's word says, think about the next generation. Think about three generations down. Think about the legacy. Think about the name of the Lord, what you represent. Think about the long-term,
0: basically what you're building, right? I'm enjoying getting older a whole lot more now than I would have if I didn't have this truth in my heart. Like if I hadn't just really embraced this and said, no, it does matter what I do. It, It does matter what I say. It does matter when I'm at my grandson's games, and then on the way home, you know, I'm asking him about church last weekend. Like, all of it now has a purpose beyond my lifetime that I really can see myself every day being a a legacy-minded grandfather, father, leader, rather than just thinking, man, what am I going to be, be able to do by the time I'm 70 years old?
1: Well, that that whole idea of I'm not going to grow old. I'm not going to go through these different seasons of life. That's comfort zone too, right? I mean that you know, and there's nothing more ridiculous than seeing a you know 50 year old guy trying to be a teenager. You know, it's kind of like, dude, it's not working for you. And oh, hey man, I'm, no Marty. I'm, you know, if the shoe fits, <laughs> stand on the box, Marty. None of that small stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I just love that. You know, now that I have a couple of grandsons and things like that, you know, you think thinking three. I'm thinking three. It's not just my kids anymore. I mean, forever it was them, right? They mm-hmm. were, the, you know, well, you know, we spread out. I still have a teenager and I have a, you know, a 37-year-old. So, um, and, a, and everything in between. And so, but it's like, my, my wife said to me the other day, we've been raising kids for 37 years. I'm like, yeah, it's a long time. So I'm ready for some grandparenting. Um, but this idea of, of leaving an inheritance, you know, that's not what you're saying then is it's not just financial inheritance. There's a spiritual heritage that we want to help our, our kids, our grandkids to be big, to do the things that God's purpose for them to do.
0: Yeah. And no matter what church you go to, um, if you're a church goer, you're standing on the shoulders of a previous generation. And somebody gave, somebody made that happen, created a classroom space for your children to attend. So at Champion Center, I'm, you know, thank God for everything he has done and is doing, but uh, my hope, my goal is to inspire our church family to say, okay, let, if every generation has to start over again, um, you know, then, then what are we doing? You know, we're not gonna get where we're supposed to go. Uh, so how about we just really think like, hey, we're going to do this well enough that we're going to have moved the ball down the field in our generation and they're not going to start where we started. We're going to have more for them uh, opportunity wise, more for them in terms of our church and campuses and locations and that they can jump into uh, and be part of. So that that's a big piece of our vision.
2: Part of this thing of thinking theory thinking legacy thinking long term thinking big is trusting God in that regard it's kind of the American dream I want my kids to be better off than I was and I want them their kids to be even better off and have more but it's more than that it's like okay what do we mean what is our legacy here and I, I love how your story intertwined with the church and the body and the, and, the, and telling the story of King David here goes on but then you talk about uh, criticism and critique. Differences there. I think we should save that for the last segment. Yeah, we got, we got a lot more than that. So, yeah. We do. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, one of the things that I, I was just thinking about the the whole the Think3 and the legacy thing is, you know, years ago, uh, you know, as a younger parent, someone was explaining to me about this idea of, you know, blesses a man has a quiver full, right? Because mm-hmm. I was having all the, you know, I have five kids. Right. So, and, but he was like, what do you do with an arrow? You know, it goes farther than you. Mm-hmm. It goes way far. You know, an arrow is something they shoot way out there. Right. If you're
2: some uh, people, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. st-
1: go hunting with me, brother. There we go. <laughs> I'll show you how to do it. Um, so I probably would have got one last year <laughs> if you would have came. That's right. But this, this idea that, um, you know, the example that we set, are we setting a fearless example? Mm-hmm. You know, my kids want to run for office now because they've seen me do it. You know, I'm, I never forget when I went and, Visited my my dad, you know, who's he was super proud of me for running for office. And my stepmom goes, you can't run for office. You're not a lawyer. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> the last thing we need in Congress is another lawyer. But uh, there's not enough. But them this, now, yeah. this idea of what is the shackle? What's the limitation that would keep you from doing it? And I think that's what this book does, Naked and Unafraid. Is is it helps people to recognize that a lot of the shackles, the limitations, are self-imposed, mm-hmm. right, or or peer group imposed,
0: right? Yeah, I love hearing you talk about your children running for office and them getting that that itch from you or that you know that that guidance um, and just watching you, because again, that's back to what uh, it's all about is that you've you've had your challenges, hard knocks, criticism, and all of that. And your kids grow up with a greater awareness of what it takes and what it's all about. And as Christians, we really have a responsibility to move everything forward generation by generation.
2: Ingrid. It's Indeed. powerful.
1: Well, I, I like what you say in, in uh, one of your chapters, there's no such thing as a stress-free life. And uh, so, you know, I couldn't agree more with that statement. You have Stress is going to happen anyway, so why not like, get out there and do what God's called you to do? Get out there and do what you're capable of doing. You know, Use that gifts. Use the talents. Use the investment that God's made in us to do something good. Well, we're going to be back with more from Kevin Gerald. He's the author of Naked and Unafraid. This is Doug Masler and
2: Marty McClendon, Doug and Marty versus
1: the world. This is Claire. Claire has a great business, and she wanted to advertise on YouTube, but she didn't know how. It was all so confusing, setting up an account, choosing keywords and demographics, and she didn't know how to make a video. Then Claire discovered the secret to great YouTube ads. The experts at EasyYouTubeAds.com took care of all the details, from account setup and management to producing her video ads. Now Claire's friends all want to know how she got so smart. EasyYouTubeAds.com. No experience necessary. Hi, this is Doug Bassler, candidate for U.S. Congress in Washington's 9th congressional district. We're facing some of the biggest challenges of our lifetime and possibly in our nation's history. It's more important now than ever that we all stand up for our Christian values and heritage. Our values have created freedom and liberty previously unseen in the world. And now what used to be fringe elements are becoming mainstream and are threatening our religious freedoms. I'm committed to fight for our First Amendment rights, really for all of our God-given rights, and to represent us faithfully in Washington, D.C., and I can use your help. Would you consider going to my website, dougbassler.com, and making a financial donation of any size? It will be greatly appreciated. I want to thank you in advance for all you do. I'm Doug Bassler, and I approve this message. Paid for by friends of Doug Bassler. For our government to work the way it was intended, citizens from all walks of life must volunteer to run for elected offices. But how do you begin? EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com can help. You'll receive expert help to navigate your campaign and communicate your message. From candidate filing to voters' pamphlet statements, fundraising and social media, you'll find what you need to run an effective and affordable campaign. EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com, the road to victory starts here. sound and radio, four bells, the final, fourth and final round, Doug and Marty versus the world with my very good friend, Marty McLennan.
2: Yes, and welcome back to the show. We appreciate you. We pray for you, and we thank you for tuning in today with our very special guest, Kevin Gerald, Pastor Kevin Gerald of Champion Center, as well as his new book, Naked and Unafraid, Five Keys to Abandon Smallness, Overcoming Criticism, and Be All You Are Meant to Be, which is what we encourage everybody to do on a regular you know, basis. It's
1: probably one of my favorite shows so far. Definitely yeah? one of my favorite shows of the last, you know, 10 years or so. There or we go.
2: We've been doing this for about six years, but yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: Well, you know, I'm just wrapping it up. I'm projecting into the future. Yeah, exactly Once, right. Once, you know, you know what Doug and Marty are about. If you've listened to this show, you know we're about walking in faith, yep. doing what God's called you to do. Shake off the fear. Go for it. It's fun to run for office. It's fun to get involved. It's fun to, you know, do things. And, uh, you know, and now we've finally got somebody out there who's written a book and is backing us up. Exactly finally. right. Well, <laughs>
2: welcome back to the show, Pastor Kevin, now, uh, Kevin Gerald with us, um, Doug is right. We often encourage people. We we say all the time that you are called by God. You are unique in God. You created by in your mother's womb. That you're you live where you're supposed to live. You have the skills and experiences that you're supposed to have to make a difference in your community. If you step out using what you have, contributing, you can make a difference. And that means in politics. It means a church. It means in your community, and all those things. And yet, all too often, people are afraid for whatever reason, or told they can't because they don't have a law degree or they haven't gone to. Us an Ivy League school, you have two chapters in here about criticism and critique. And one of the quotes I'll start off with, and I'll let you run with this is pushing past the fear of criticism starts by not trying to avoid it. And I think all too, all too many times, we try to avoid criticism, don't we?
0: Right. It's, um, by the way, thank you guys for all those nice things you're saying. That's encouraging to me uh, that this title is helpful because you guys are doing and have done some, some great things in terms of um, running for office and these radio programs and just encouraging people in the spaces where you're at. So thank you for that. Uh, as far as the, um, you know, the criticism, I I think that a lot of times when we get caught up in trying to avoid it, that's the part that is, uh, is getting so many people off course, is that if you are focused on what people are thinking about you, then as I said earlier in the program, you'll continue down that pathway that started when you were just a child of of doing what you're supposed to do. You know, what, what society says you're supposed to do, what other people say you're supposed to do, rather than doing what you're meant to do. And criticism is, one of the things people fear the most is what I've discovered. They just fear what people are going to say, what people are going to think. And it takes people off course with their destiny who have a big destiny. So let me say like this, I wonder oftentimes how many books have not been written, how many radio programs have not been uh, hosted, how how many uh, businesses have not been started by people who were meant to do those things, but did not do those things because they were, you know, they were afraid of what others might think or say.
2: Yeah, and, and our, the world is worse off for it, and yet the world's better off when people do step out. People do hear and obey and, and just step out, really and encourage and, uh, beyond the fear, beyond the fear of criticism, beyond the fear of critique. Um, because it doesn't really matter. Are you being obedient to God?
1: Well, and and, and nothing good is, you know, you might say, well, nothing bad's going to happen to me, but nothing good. It's kind of like that that you know the risk thing we were talking about at the beginning of the program today, is you know if uh, the fear of a bad decision that leads to no decision. Now you have you know you've you've you know what was the potential that you know could have happened with your life, you know, and you were you're mentioning getting older. Uh, Pastor Kevin and I was like, you know, as as we get you know up there in years, you're like, hey, I'm running out of time. I better get this thing done that God's called me to do, you know. And it's exciting, uh, but we don't want to live life looking in the rearview mirror. We want to keep you know keep moving forward and have have these types of things. So how do we deal with criticism? How is that? You know, how how do we? You know, we all get it, right?
0: Well, I, we all get it, but here's the here's the deal: is that um, I'm concerned in our generation with the tendency that we see happening through social media, and it, you know everyone is more accessible to a an instrument, a tool with which they can vent their opinions and hide behind. You know, a lot of criticism, for example, that I get when people try to figure out where it's coming from, (laughs) it's people that are not letting other people follow them without permission on social media, or, you know, they're hiding behind a computer. Um, It's these people in private who they have become critics, like at the highest level. So one of the things that I try to say to people is that there's a lot of critics who don't have credentials. And if you can just realize that that the majority, I don't know if it's 80%, 90%, whatever, of the criticism that you're going to hear is from, coming from people who don't have the credentials to actually be speaking into what you're attempting to do. They've never been there. They don't know what it's like to be in your shoes. They've never run for office. They've never pastored a church, whatever the thing may be. They've never been a business owner. They've never, so they really don't know, but they're just going to launch that criticism from the safety of their bunker. And that's, that's the first thing is you've got to realize the source and, and realize that you can't let uncredentialed or non-credentialed people's criticism get to you. Yeah, I've always
1: heard the best. The best quarterbacks aren't on the field; they're up in the forty seventh row having some pizza.
0: <laughs> Monday morning, right?
1: <laughs> they're sitting in the easy chair at home having a brewski. <laughs> but but to your point here
2: too, it's also being careful who you invite in to give you criticism, to give you feedback, to give you trusted sources. Biblically, there are people that were surrounded, but they were trusted sources. They were like you said, credentialed people that actually could speak. Well, into. and
1: we and we need that. I mean, we need correction you know, and, and yeah. if you're, you, you've got to have it.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's really the, the point is that there, you can figure out where it ought to come from if you're willing to, I know I want it. I know I want feedback. I want input. I just want it to be qualified rather than just rampant, knee jerk, maybe coming from hurt people, hurt mm-hmm. people, hurt people. Yes, they do. So rather than living in, you know, the crosshairs of that and taking it all personal, I wanna figure it out. So one of the things I do talk about, maybe one of the most popular things really in the book is where I, t- I have a graph and I talk about criticism versus critique.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Criticism And I have a list of, of items side by side so that you can take a look at, well, critics, criticism sounds like this or does this, but critique does this or sounds like this. and. That's one of the ways that people can get some help is just to be able to understand. Yes, we do want critique, which has its root word in criticism, but we don't want to be in constant reactionary mode to criticism.
2: Part of that chart there it says critics are self-appointed, critique is invited, criticism finds fault, critique looks for ways to improve. Yeah, I love that. You, you think about it and it goes on. It's a great um, um, chart to read off of on page one fifteen. But really, what you want people that want the best for you. You want people that want to see you be promoted. They want you want people to speak into your life, that have the experience, but also have the right heart. They've, they don't want worse for you, they want the best for you. and that's, that's I think it's rare. Um, but it's, it's what you're looking for, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. walk with the wise. Scripture says you grow wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. And one of the things fools do is that they slander other people, they pull other people down, they criticize other people. I love the story of Nehemiah, such a great example of a man building a wall and the critics gather around and try try to get him to come down, just talk, come down and talk to us. And early in my ministry, I read every email. I listened to every person who wanted to get on the phone with me and Looking back, I, I, you know, I just didn't know, but oh, it so made it so difficult sometimes whenever I did that. Well, Nehemiah said, no, I'm doing a, a work and I can't come down. And I know a lot of people have trouble with that from a pastor or a leader. Well, you should be able to, you know, answer everyone. But the truth is, the reality is, is you have to have good counsel. You have to have good input. But when you're building a wall, you can't always come down and and discuss and talk about everything with your critics.
2: You'll never get anything done that way. Yeah, the idea is you're focused on a, a, the job at hand, there's other people. Your wall
1: hand. will look like what I would build, Marty, and it's not. <laughs>
0: Okay.
2: All right, we're in the last segment. I want to talk about Section Four, the Own Your Story. There are several chapters in this, but really, you know, this is a buzzword now in in current culture about owning your story, telling your story, telling your plan. This is not that. This is this is the power pattern. This is being your best in stress. This is relationship ownership, uh, and so forth. So, talk about this in the last minute of the show. Really, uh, what people can get by getting this book and diving into it.
0: It's a call to people that uh, would negate the power they have to take whatever has been sent their way in life and to stand on the principles of God that says, in all things, God works together for the good. So it's a section about, by faith, stand on that promise and that guidance that God can take everything. If you'll hold your position and just own it all, rather than blaming and excusing and being a victim. If you'll just own it all and have what I call a full ownership policy at the end of the day, all of that, God can take it and turn it into something good in your life.
1: And, he, and it's going to happen because doesn't the scriptures tell us that God works everything together for good to those that love him or call the according to his purpose. Romans
2: eight twenty eight 28. That's right. So the greatest enemy of your future is not what happens to you. It's how you see yourself when it happens. It's great. A yeah. from the it's a
1: great book. I want to encourage all of our listeners run out, grab a copy of naked and unafraid authored by Kevin Gerald. He's been our guest today. Kevin, thank you thank so you, much.
0: Sir. Thank you guys for having me. I've enjoyed it. Well, I,
1: uh, <laughs> I always hate it when the show ends because then I have to go back to my normal life.
0: There we go. (laughs) Instead
1: of all this excitement. Anyways, we'll see you next week. This is Doug Bass. And
2: Marty McClendon. God bless and God bless
1: America.